This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast today has Kane Vincent Dyer, a former bank robber. He discusses why he started robbing banks, how he got greedy, how he turned it into a career, how he changed his life, turned himself into the FBI, was on America's top 10 most wanted, spent almost nine years in jail, and now helps others. It's an amazing story, and it is coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. As well, Steve Stebbing is talking about all of his favorite things that we should watch this weekend, and are you okay with vodka from Chernobyl, and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. It's are you okay? Are you okay with high school, Brendan Kelly? Oh, it's been a, that was a complicated relationship. I don't know if I was necessarily okay with high school while I was in it, but now yeah. I'm quite nostalgic for it at times. Hmm. I do miss the, it felt like there was a lot of freedom there, you know, especially in grade 12 when you had spares and you kind of oh, went yeah. to school, but you didn't really, yeah. like that felt really good. That did feel really yeah, good. Yeah, it did. In Ontario, we had this weird... 13th grade so it was very weird time yeah, the 12th grade into the 13th grade was weird it was all dependent on if you want to go to university or not you had to take oac uh grade mm. 13 to get some credits to go to university i decided i wanted to at least have the credits but i didn't know if i was going to go to university so the 13th grade was weird because you graduated and you, you said goodbye and then you came back again in the fall it was kind of weird yeah and for everybody who didn't want to go to university but then wanted to come back, that made it even more complicated, right? Because you had oh, more yeah. work to do before you could even go back to it. So it didn't seem to promote <laughs> a future, really. No. It was really weird. All right. A wait-for-it Florida woman must have been wanting to go back to the good old days of high school. According to ABC 10 News, she was charged and ordered to stay away from a local high school after police say she trespassed the school and pretended to be a student. All right. All right. Police say 28-year-old Audrey Nicole Francischini, a Carnival Cruise Line employee who works in sales, entered a Miami high school on Monday. Security cut off with her, but she portrayed herself as uh, to security as a student and stated that she was looking for the registration office. However, instead of walking into the office, she walked straight past it down a hallway, confronting, confronting multiple students as they were trying to enter a classroom. Why would a 28-year-old woman walk into a school, and pretend to be a student. Wow. Why wouldn't you? It's a little odd. No? Yeah. Well, if you're looking for Instagram followers, that's what she thought that you should do. Oh. Here's more from ABC Action Epic Flashy News. ABC Action Epic Flashy Live News 10. All right, just kidding. It's ABC 10. Judging by her mugshot, she thinks it's funny. Police say 28-year-old Audrey Franciscini was so desperate to be followed and liked, she was willing to risk getting arrested. They say she trespassed into American Senior High School in Hialeah Monday. She pretends to be a student, is walking around this high school, handing out pre-printed pamphlets with her social media Instagram name on it. She's trying to get people to follow her on Instagram. Your Honor, do, do me a favor. Don't talk about the charges. Nodding her head, appearing to agree as she hears the state make the case against her. Ma'am, stop doing that. She's a 28-year-old sorry, woman. Sorry. Whatever, Your Honor, whatever you say, I will, I will respect you. Thank you. 
man. School officials say she was asking students to follow her on social media when she was spotted by security guards. The incident reports that she was able to get away on foot, but was tracked down at her North Miami Beach home where she was arrested. She may have been smirking for her mugshot, but clearly she's now aware of the consequences. I may probably lose my job today. Wow. <laughs> Ma'am, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't she just like buy followers? Wouldn't that be easier? <laughs> yeah, you can like pay someone to do that for you. It's well, yeah. probably a lot easier. So uh, here's the thing. She's facing multiple charges, including burglary of an occupied dwelling with a bond of $15,000. That sounds like totally not the right charge for going to a school, but that's what the smart people say that is. So we'll go with it. That's the story. (sighs) Why don't you just go like other people's stuff? And then when they like yours and follow you back, then you comment something nice, and then they follow you back, and then you just unlike all their stuff, like normal trolls do it on the Internet. Yeah. Oh, why not? I, I mean, there is things you could do where you can actually just purchase followers. You can, like, there's services where you can go out and purchase, like, 500 followers. I yeah. suppose if you don't have the cash, then. I suppose. Less know. than the $15,000 bond, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Hits the shift. This is Are You Okay? Are you okay with being called a Canuck? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, haven't really thought about it either way. It's a non. It. I don't believe it's an offensive term for a Canadian, right? I've never taken it really as offensive, but I suppose it would be the same as calling an American a Yankee, wouldn't it? Or is that offensive these days? That might be offensive to people below the Mason-Dixon line, right? Because yeah. of course, the Civil War. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of the Canucks in Canada, I mean, it was first recorded in 1835 as an Americanism, and then it was referring to Dutch Canadians uh, or French Canadians originally, and then it became like 150 years ago, spelt with a C, and um, and now it refers to Canadians or a French Canadian, but that's the old thing. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I mean, a Canuck, it, I kind of, you know, there's Vancouver. You know, I mean, they're all right, so... According to KRON News, KRON News, after over a month of touring the South Texas border of Mexico, Ted Cruz called the ongoing influx of uh, immigration a man-made disaster. And he said it's a deliberate on the part of the Biden administration, which is weird. So uh, in order to draw a comparison, he brought Canada into it. Why? Of course, well, because Canada um, is, you know, the other neighbor, right? So what what is what is this? Well, Ted Cruz was born in Calgary. So he would be a Canuck. And although he did, you know, basically say see you later to Canada and frankly America, you can have him. He drew a comparison of this immigration problem and started comparing it and talking about Canada. This is Ted Cruz. Kamala Harris has been to the Canadian border as vice president, but not the southern border. The last I checked, we don't have a crisis of thousands of Canucks coming south across the border. This is a dereliction of duty. Canucks, eh? Canucks. Oh, <laughs> look at all the Canucks, eh? Oh, wow. can you, let's do that again. I want to hear that. This is Ted Cruz, born in Canada, talking about Canada, American senator. 
Kamala Harris has been to the Canadian border as vice president, but not the southern border. The last I checked, we don't have a crisis of thousands of Canucks coming south across the border. This is a dereliction of duty. <laughs> okay. Hey, by the way, all of our American friends are listening. Thank you for taking that, dude, man. Yeah. He's your problem. He's your problem now. I was going to say I'm not offended being called a Canuck, but I might be slightly offended being called a Canuck. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Shane Hewitt. That's Brendan Kelly. Um, well, Kamala Harris, ironically, uh, she has fond memories of living in Montreal. Another connection. I'm curious if that she will throw in a Canuck reference just to say it right. You know, make friends with Canadians. I bet you she gets it right. Ted Cruz. Uh, man, oh man, that guy is a walking dumpster fire. So he's faced some pretty harsh criticism for his trip to Cancun during that massive Texas snowstorm. And, um, he did earn the name Flying Cruise. Maybe he could be Canuck Cruise. I don't know. <laughs> this is Are You Okay? How about a clip before we're done here? How about a clip about, uh, that's completely out of context from a story that I think might blow your mind? It's not three round again, it's 15,000. Comrades Venus. What does that number mean? It means the core is open. It means the fire we're watching with our own eyes is giving off nearly twice the radiation released by the bomb in Hiroshima. And that's every single hour, hour after hour. 20 hours since the explosion, so 40 bombs worth by now. 48 more tomorrow, and it will not stop. Not in a week, not in a month. It will burn and spread its poison until the entire continent is dead. Well, Chernobyl was, uh, uh, that was dreadful, actually. Holy moly. Are you okay? Are you okay with vodka? Not anymore. There was a time when I was, but no. I yeah, can't do it I anymore. Like, I like a good vodka. I like a Belvedere or Grey Goose. I'm not a fan of the, you know, the more bitey ones but if it's smooth you can drink it just over the ice there i think that's all right not like a what's the a beef eater no it's gin does beef eater that's do gin. yeah no i no, no, don't i love gin we're not vodka right there's polar ice there's yeah. some uh, there's some other ones that are common out i there, was always sure. more of a gin person to be honest oh really i hey? like gin hmm. yeah, I, yeah going camping like. lots of camping i used to say it was like drinking the forest i used to like it oh, drinking the forest that's nice well let's uh, let's start this one again are you okay are you okay with vodka made from Chernobyl? Oh, no. 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 No, definitely I mean, Russian, not there. Russian vodka, like that is like the the best, right? That's like proper tequila or champagne from France, for example. Ukrainian authorities have seized the very first shipment of alcohol distilled in the shadow of the Chernobyl nuclear plant in a move that has left the spirit makers scrambling to deal with the fallout. The alcohol was made from apples grown outside the Chernobyl exclusive zone. So it's outside the zone, but it's supposedly been scrubbed of harmful radioactive materials. It's also probably a tasty drink, but if it's anything like atomic vodka that the same company produced back in 2018. Think about that for a second. Atomic vodka. Ugh. So officials intercepted a UK-bound delivery truck loaded with 1,500 bottles of Chernobyl Spirit Company's Atomic Apple Spirit back in March. Though some might recoil for the idea of drinking hooch with a half-life, <laughs> there's no indication that the alcohol was confiscated for that reason. It was allegedly seized because of an excise stamp issue. 
So the infamous 1986 Chernobyl disaster killed more than 100 people, poisoned thousands more, and caused catastrophic environmental damage in the area. Some of it's never recovered. Around the uh, nuclear reactor. It was the worst nuclear reactor-related accident in human history. Much of the area remains off-limits to humans. Now, there is a little piece of this story which takes it, to me, I think, a little bit further. Go ahead, Brennan. I was going to say, I mean, the vodka hangover is bad enough. But a radiation hangover? I don't know. I don't know if I'd uh, want to know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the original Are You Okay, as I proposed this to Ryan, was Are You Okay with Imperfections? So um, this is the headline of the article from the National Post. Ready for it? This is the sales pitch for this Mm -hmm. vodka, this apple thing from Spirit, from Atomic Vodka, from Chernobyl. You ready for it? Yep. New Chernobyl vodka distilled to almost undetectable levels of oh. contaminants. <laughs> almost undetectable. It's not enough. I don't know how bad of a hangover you get um, from radiation, but I'm guessing it's worse than vodka. Just saying. This is the Shift Podcast. We promise you an exciting conversation on the Shift with a bank robber. and he's here his name's kane vincent dyer and uh, kane is here we'll get right into the nuts and bolts of this um i have to tell you kane as far as i know because i suppose if somebody was a good bank robber i wouldn't really know um you would be the first bank robber i've ever met man oh nice to meet you nice to meet you to be technical i'm the first former bank robber you've probably ever met (laughs) Very good. Well, that's true. Um, and let's explain this. Before we get into it is that um, Kane got himself in some trouble early in life and um, accepted the consequences of what that was and has turned his life around and uses that message to help others. So I want to preface all of this by not adding some sort of filter that, you know, Kane's just this dreadful man who says, stick him up. Uh, that's not the case. But there is an old life there, Kane. There's an old world, man. Like there is an old world piece of you from so long ago that must feel like a whole other lifetime. Well, you know what? I tell you what, Jen. That is an absolute understatement. I, there are nights, you know, at the end of the night, I usually sit back and, you know, there are several things I kind of processes I do that just kind of take a, a toll of the day and reflection, you know, reflect back on the day. And then I think almost daily at the end of the day, I go mad. I am just a blessed blessed individual you know that i get to well you're a dad i have a dad right and and so when you look at those babies um now uh, how old are your kids oh my god they're in their 20s now yeah so when you look at them today and they're creating yeah well still babies though still babies still babies to their mom and i yeah absolutely yeah and so when you look at them now these are these are young adults that are out to create their lives not so different than the time where you got off the rails right right you're looking at that i mean how lucky are you to be able to be this stand for them today inside you know the integrity of what you stood up to clean up in your life and then you know maybe some some influence that you didn't have the same you know 20 years ago when when you were getting yourself into trouble yeah you know what one of the the unfortunate probably I, I should say one of the two biggest unfortunates is the time I missed with my beautiful daughters. 
and the other unfortunate are the victims that were left out there. Um, just to acknowledge that uh, you know, there's a consequence to everything we do, even when we think we're doing the right thing, you know, whatever that may be. And unfortunately, you know, I got a lot of time taken away from my daughters because of my actions. But, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, uh, my current actions and the actions through have left me in a position where not just my daughters, but anyone can see that we are redeemable and that given second and sometimes third chances that, you know, uh, especially when the person has it in their heart to, to transform that, that you can. So mm -hmm. I, if anything, I hope that I've shown my daughters, uh, no matter what, no matter where you are in life, uh, if it doesn't seem like it's going the way you thought it was supposed to go, uh, you can always take control of your life. There are things that you can do to, to turn around. And, uh, you know, that just doesn't go for a uh, former con uh, convict or criminal. It goes for anyone who's in any type of work. You know, there are a million people out there that are, you know, uh, in a prison and uh, of their own making. So I, I, I hope to think that I've taught my daughters that, you know, it, it's kind of hard to miss pain, uh, but it's how you react to it. It's, it's, it's what you do at the end of the day. It's how you try and make yeah, those rights. We get a, uh, we get a lot of messages from um, guys and gals who are incarcerated we're not quite sure how they message us, but they do send text messages or people that are, 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 you know, uh, I don't know what you call it when you're locked up at home. Right. Um, right, 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 right. Go anywhere. Home arrest. Right. And house so, arrest. yeah, right. And so we get some um, house arrest. Yeah. We get some, um, so we get messages from that and we get messages here on the shift from people who are saying, you know, I've been listening to you guys for weeks and weeks and weeks and I've learned so much and, and now I've done my time. I'm out and I'm going to create something amazing. So I feel like this is a perfect forum for you to tell that story for anybody who's listening. Cause we've all made mistakes. We've all broken a law in our lives. Most of us probably broke one already. so far. <laughs> and, um, I mean, call it for like, like it is. So you Absolutely. let's go backwards in time. If okay. that's okay. Okay. To where were you and, and how did you get yourself in trouble? Because at the mm -hmm. time, 20 some odd years ago, you quite literally robbed banks and things. I absolutely did. So what, kind of to take you back to the beginning, a, without going too far into it, a super, super close relative sibling um, of mine got himself into an issue, super young, got involved with the, um, a, a group, an illegal crime organization out there. Um, on knowingly and unwittingly and ended up incurring a debt with them. And, uh, just, you know, he was super young at the time and they were going to, you know, harm him. And at that time I felt I was better equipped to, to deal with it, not really even understanding the, the magnitude of the issue until, you know, I it was a little bit deeper involved in, saw what was happening and, you know, was instructed what needed to be done. And it was a large amount of money that was owed. Um, and it needed to be 
handled. He needs to be paid or you know, uh, his life was absolutely in danger, not just in danger. Uh, mm-hmm. horrible things would have happened. And, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of people say, well, you know, you robbed so many banks. You didn't, it didn't take that many to pay off the debt. It's absolutely right. I, I, I did a lot of bank guys and, you know, it took everything to do that one. And it took about six bank robberies to actually pay off this debt to this, to, to this group. And I tell you what, man, you know, we can all say, you know, certain things drive us to other places, but, you know, I justified once, because once I paid the debt off, I kept robbing banks. I justified it as well. You know, I can't turn back now. I've already done this. You know, there's nowhere ahead that I can go doing the work that I wanted to do that I thought I was going to be involved in before, you know, which, which was almost completely opposite of that. And uh, I tell you what, I, I will make no excuses about why I did it or how I did it. I, I did it. It took six to pay off the debt. Everything after that was absolutely greed. It became addicting and it became a lifestyle. It absolutely became a lifestyle, Shane. Um, whether it was me you know, seeking a thrill, adrenaline, um, you know, trying to justify these crimes. You know, I villainized the banks and the government system, you know, and, and uh, I did what I did and it was wrong. And, you know, there came a time where I knew I have just become something else, man. I, I have become something that I did not recognize in the mirror. Mm. And um, it was something that initially in order to do the crime, I kind of embraced. But in those moments when I was alone, man, or looking in a mirror, and even more so in the times when I was alone, when I was, when I was alone, when I'd be around family and hiding that secret because my, because my family didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of smart about how I was doing. It wasn't like I wasn't robbing banks and going out and spending all this money. You know? I had taken care of the debt. And then after that, I was just you know, putting everything to the side. Kind of, I had this thought process that no one else in my family would ever have to do this would ever have to commit a crime. So therefore I was going to do it and I was going to do it good and profit. So no one else in my family right. would ever have to. So. Yeah. Well, becoming a bit of a martyr in it. Um, it's interesting. And it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, everything that you did at the time, you had a reason to do it and it was right at the time. Um, well, I, that's justified curious it. You, I justified, justified it at the time. Yeah. You justified exactly. it as right. Yeah. In yeah. your mind, I'm saying like in your mind, it was like, well, this is what I do now. And it's the right thing to do because these are the bad guys. Um, that's so curious to see how you sort of follow that path and I, as you sort of get down there. I've always said that those initial things, um, even from a place of when I look back myself, I go, wow, I can really see how the desperation uh, and the, just the direness of the situation 
drove me to that. And then I have to absolutely take accountability for everything after that, man. And I have to say, wow, what dark part of me enjoyed that. You know, I just had a guy yeah. respond to an uh, uh, interview that I did. And he had this really interesting take. And it was like, hey, man, you know, I know you were in the military. I knew you grew up as this, uh, you know, competitive person, he was saying. And he was kind of saying, like, you know, you got this certain skill set. And after the military, it's like, what do you do with it? And he was asking me, was there this part of me that actually enjoy doing that and you know and i mean let's just be honest yes you know the, the honest answer is yes was i on drugs when i was doing it absolutely not i don't think there's any way you could do the things i did with the um level of accuracy and not getting caught and be intoxicated of, on, of any sort right. you know uh yeah. but other than that there was a time where I was holding so much shame and so much guilt for being this person, even though I had kind of embraced it secretly, you know, secret life on the side. It was still like just a ton of shame, man, either when I was by myself or with people I really loved that I was having to lie to. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, that I was cheating. Well, you know what it brings up? To. Yeah, and it brings up for me that it's kind of a, a lyric we often hear in songs is, I hate myself for loving you. <laughs> You know what? And it's kind, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I tell you what, man, it is so easy. I, I've looked at this time in my life as, as this model where I've been able to see it, how it plays out in other people's lives without the criminal element, as far as, you know, finding yourself in this place where you know you don't belong and you know you're not supposed to be there. Um, and I'm not talking about a, a, a right or wrong kind of thing now. I'm talking about a even just life choices and decisions when you know you're supposed to be doing so much more and you've kind of come, become complacent and, and you just accept what life is offered. Um, I think I ended up in a place like that where, it, it, like I said, in order to justify what I was doing, I had to keep villainizing and, you know, everything that had put me in this situation. But when it right. comes down to it, man, I think some of it was uh, I was searching for a lot back then. You know, I was broken, I think, before I actually did any of this. And, you know, a, a lot of that comes out when we find our, our, ourselves in these spaces and we just end up committing to that, even if it doesn't serve us or serve the people around us. This is an absolute first for me. I think it's a first for everyone on the shift. Talk about a life-changing event. A former bank robber joins us now. He's turned his life around completely. Kane Vincent Dyer, how did you rob the banks? Did you walk in with a gun or were you doing sort of technology sneaky stuff after hours? Um, just so we can really put a, put a, albeit Hollywood, <laughs> it will allow, it will allow everyone oh, in their yeah, minds right, to get a picture right. for what happened. Okay. So, so the first 
six banks, which were basically the initial banks that I did. Uh, they were done more so, and I always say six, there are probably a couple here or there. Um, but they were the banks that were fueled off of, oh my God, desperation, fear, life or death, you know? And because of that, there were these deadlines that I have to, that I had to have. It's money by. Mm-hmm. And so they were really, I, just growing up the way I did, the military, there, there are so many different things that um, implemented this innate intuition that I had. And even before the military, you know, I had always been able to like kind of, you know, see the room and see how things were working. And so the banks, even though the first six were kind of fly, you know, by the seat of my pants, it was inside, um, you know, kind of shouting commands and letting them know that I was there, you know, typical thing you see in a movie, you know, I'm here for the bank's money, not yours, um, kind of thing. And it was just the immediate teller that was right there. Um, you know, I kind of cased the, just a little bit on those six, but all those six in order to get that debt, it was really just kind of by the seat of my pants, um, going basically off instinct. Uh, but at the time, yeah, that's how I did it. And, and after those six banks, I just used that time for preparation and I learned, uh, how to do it a little bit more um, sophisticated. And that's when I started going into like vaults and started changing up some of the MO that I was doing earlier from just the tellers. Wow. Yeah. Then I would oh, that's amazing. go into the actual vaults. Uh, yeah. Like getting into the vaults too, as opposed to the, give me the money in the drawer. It's the, let me in the vault, give me all the good stuff. Yeah. That's actually, huh. that's kind of what it turned into was and sometimes what i would do is i would do a teller just to test the temperature of, of you know of, of the employees and the other people that be inside and if everyone seemed to be relatively calm and cooperative then i would you know go into the vault i would take that extra time but if everyone seemed like really shook up or you know someone seemed to um nervous to comply i i, I would just do the uh the tellers and get out but like i said wow. there was a point where i definitely advanced it and started hitting the almost uh solely the vaults and stuff like that yeah yeah so okay so here's what we've done it's the number in the article says like 24 banks um they even w in one article is the kangaroo bandit okay <laughs> uh, which is kind of it's kind of kind of a cool kind of a cool name okay um <laughs> i don't know i think if you're gonna be anything kangaroos are pretty cool right? you like to know. be called the marsupial <laughs> well i guess so but I mean, everyone loves a kangaroo like everyone it's not like anybody kangaroo, right? right like i mean if, if you're gonna be like if you're going to be the bad guy, then everyone's kind of the bad guy. It's like, oh, he's cute. Yeah, right, right, like, I don't know. right, right, right. You know what? It, here's, here's uh, you know, none of this is funny, but, you know, you do have to look back and find the moments where you can go, okay, I can find the laughter in that. Well, uh, you know, man, they called me all kind of things, man. Uh, they called me the multi-ethnic man. 
because <laughs> you know no two people in What's that all about because oh they didn't describe you the same way right 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 no two people uh, in any bank would say that i was the same thing you know, some people would be like oh he's a he was a really tan white male i'd be like no he's a light skin black male and someone that would be like latin or latino or hispanic be, no 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 he was hispanic and then you'd have wow. like uh Middle East and like, no, he was Middle East and I know my people. Yeah, so it was a little... That's funny. Especially living That's where I live in Los yeah. Angeles where we define people so much. Oh, you know, even back then, period, we define people all the time. Oh, it's white guy. It was a black guy. And because... Right, yeah, it's not the bald guy. Yeah, yeah. And back <laughs> there, I had hair and a baseball cap. You know? Oh, did you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we got to a point, guy. Kane, here where... You, you, you went through all this and then you had a bit of a reckoning where you stopped and you said, I got to clean this up. Did you do that on your own accord and say, yep, I'm cleaning this up? So, you know what, man, I tell you what, there were several points throughout that time. And you're talking about two year time. And you know what, I'll go back to the banks because you asked about the number of banks and then I'll, I'll try and go back up there. Uh, so here's the thing with the number of the banks, and that's why it says different things in different places. I turned myself in in Los Angeles. They had taken about six banks that they, you know, felt pretty sure of and that I had admitted to. And it didn't make sense for them to try me in other counties and things like that because it would cost them, especially when I was admitting to it. Out of those banks is what I paid that restitution on. And yeah, which is a lot of money. It was almost $500,000, by the way. Yeah. 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 Those, uh, those like six banks or something like that. I think they even stated it at one time that they were pretty sure I had a, not a, a real weapon, um, which really helped as far as my sentencing. Because, you know, if you rob a, anything with a actual weapon, real weapon, like a firearm or something like that, man, you know, you're automatically tacking, tacking, tacking on decade, you know? So how many, what was your sentence then officially when this all went down, everything was settled? What was your sentence? Uh, I got a nine year sentence, 108 months, uh, nine years. And I get about eight years of that, eight, eight and a half years, uh, about eight wow. years inside and about, uh, six months, excuse me, about three months at a halfway house. Uh, and then, uh, about another three month, months on, home confinement like we were talking about earlier yeah uh, it's remarkable now um what was it that got you Kane? that really made you go it's time because you've turned yourself life around now redemption is a word that you don't say lightly <laughs> when you say um you know that word redemption when you say it to me before we even got started here it's not a word that you don't like you lean lean into it i mean i'm i'm fortunate enough to be able to listen to your mm -hmm. words, right? In our conversation and, and in the enjoying listening to your words, that word redemption is a big word for you. So what changed to make you turn yourself in and what is the message that you pass on to everyone else about redemption so many years later and creating something new, I guess. Wow. I, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, for that question. Give me the opportunity to address this. My biggest my biggest message and, and takeaway is 
No matter, man. Just it, it, it goes back to that same thing with my daughters. Of we write people off so easily, you know. We have these societal constructs that we expect people to live in, and 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 they're constructs of everything from race to sexuality to to you know. Just even what we wear, you know, certain times, of, yeah. certain times of, uh, you see someone in white in the winter and you're like, Hey, you know, that's, that's spring color. Like what? These are constructs that we make. Man. And so many people, and I'm not talking about the criminals right now. I, I've been fortunate and, and, and I, I've been truly blessed to be in the position to be able to show criminals, former criminals and convicts that, hey, man, if you want to change your life, you can stop right where you are, man. You can stop right where you are. You can almost stop on that dime and you can create new things. I'm not saying there's not going to be a consequence for it. I'm not saying that there's not going to be a price to pay, man. There's a price to pay. But what I'm saying is when you really... I think everyone has a voice in them. And I think, I, I, I don't believe in bad people. Man. I, I, I think people become products of their environment or they become products of their experiences. And unfortunately, we're not really taught how to listen to those divine voices inside of us, to those voices that, you know, I, I think society with their constructs, you know, makes us believe we have to be something. And I just really want people to know that they can listen to the voice that's inside of them. I listen to that voice at a certain point. You know, I, I push it away a lot, but the moment I actually listen to it and I stepped out on faith and I'm not talking about from a religious space of talking about where I just, I said, I can't continue living this life because this isn't me, man. And I just knew that I was made for something else. And I think all of us have that knowing in us that when we're doing something that we're supposed to be doing, feel really good about ourselves, no matter what it is, whether you're a construction worker that loves being a construction worker or a sanitation guy or, a, or this guy, you know, when you're doing shit that you know you're not supposed to, excuse my language, when you're doing things, that's okay. That's all good here. <laughs> when you're doing things that you're not supposed to, and I don't mean from a criminal aspect again, I mean, just it's not in alignment with who you are and where you're supposed to be. You can be doing something great, but if it's not your calling and who you're supposed to be, and you're supposed to be doing something else, I feel there's always going to be that pull and that tugging on your spirit and on your soul. And that's what happened with me. I, I knew inside, that's not who I was supposed to be, man. And I think it started to set in that I'm possibly really screwing people up. And I had some situations happen. You know, my kids stole something from school and, and my, my wife at the time had called me up and told me my kid had stole something. And I went there, man, and wagged my finger at her and, you know, grounded her. And that was really one of the big things, man. I, I had just become an absolute 
freaking hypocrite. That was hard. And, and here's what's funny. I had already stopped robbing banks at that point. There were, uh, there were a couple other instances that happened. I tell about the lady in the bank who told me I was supposed to be something else and I, I should be doing good. And I had already been feeling a lot of that, man. I started going, man, what am I going to be in 25 years when this kid looks at me and finds out who I really am? She's going to be like, you're a fraud. I'm Shane Hewitt with riveting conversation. Kane Vincent Dyer, former bank robber, turned his life around. What makes you quit robbing banks? What makes you turn yourself into the FBI? Kane, there was a lady in a bank that stopped you. You're in the middle of a bank robbery and says, young man, you're better than this. There's something you're meant to do in life. What was the impact of that on you? Well, it wasn't even like a time gift of insight. It was, it was a command. It was like, she wasn't like, oh, sweetheart. She was like very stern in, in, in her delivery. This lady had no fear. It wasn't like she was trying to convince me of something uh, that she just saw. She was, it, it, you could see she was reminding me of who I was and whether she felt I was going to get it right there or not. You could tell she felt it was her mission to say that. And listen, I think yeah. I look back and you say, God, was it an angel? Was it this? And like, I think she would have said that to anyone coming out of there. Um, I like to think I was special, but I like to think anybody that had been coming out of there in that moment, that message would have been for. And, and thank God it was for me, man, because it, 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 it really was another, um, you know how they say it was a nail in the coffin? It really was an awakening. It wasn't the nail. It was, if anything, it was the nail in that old life. And it yeah. set in motion some other things, man. Um, I'm not saying I changed overnight that had, in that moment. I didn't. It was still a journey. But yeah, that was one of them. So check this out, man. I want to actually tell you about this one incident that happened to me. So I had contacted the FBI, right? And uh, I had gotten to the point. I went to my family and, you know, came clean with what I had done, who I was. And yeah, I was the guy on television. You know, they had seen that guy. They didn't think it was me. On the way back from Scottsdale, I know at this point I'm turning myself in. I am going back to Los Angeles and I'm not going to go home, man, because I know if I go home, I'm not going to end up at the police station. <laughs> you know, if I go home, right. I'm going to not do it. Right. So I literally am on the plane. And this here it is again, man. Here's it. Here it is again. For the people that that don't believe or the people that question stories like this, man, oh, that can't happen. Check this out. I'm on this plane and I am literally going back i'm gonna get off this plane and get in my buddy's car meet my uh my family at the the, the fbi station turn myself in that's it mm -hmm. so you can imagine the nervousness and anxiety on this plane back from scottsdale to la and uh this family i've got this window seat and then there's this family 
that's spread out. It's the lady, the, the daughter, and her husband. They're in the seats all next to mine and over on the next row. It's her whole family. Um, and she's sitting there as family, you know, with her family. And she just kind of looks at me. She says, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I tell you what, Shane, this is for the people out there that believe they're in it on their own. Okay, you're not. You're really not bad. There are people out there that are rooting for you, praying for you, and, and holding places for you that you don't, you, you would never suspect. And so when the lady asked me this question, man, just like the lady in that bank, something inside of me knew that, you know, uh, there's just something about it that I, I, I was supposed to be honest with her. And I looked over at her. I said, ma'am, I'm actually on my way to the FBI station in Westwood, California. I'm going to turn myself in. Uh, I'm one of the most wanted, uh, uh, most America, uh, America's most wanted. And she's like, what? No, I was actually kidding, right? But there was no fear on this lady, man. There was, once again, no fear. Little lady with her family looks completely opposite of me, you know? And she just looked wow. at me and she said, are you serious? And she's like, you're kidding. I said, no, ma'am. Uh, I was a bank robber and uh, I did some bad things and I'm going to turn myself in. Uh, and I tell you what, the first thing out of this lady's mouth now, she just looked at me and she asked if she could hold my hand and she asked if she could pray with me, bro. Wow. Right. She asked me if she could pray with me. And of course I said, yes, man, you give me anything at this point, you know, anything to go in, mm -hmm. you know, and this lady sat there and, uh, uh, her name is Juanita Thrasher. And, and, and she sat there with me, man, and she prayed for me. Right. And here's what you don't know. And what I did not know. And when I say you don't know, I mean, people don't know out there. It, this lady, so I turned myself in and she didn't know whether I was telling the truth or not, but I guess uh, once I turned myself in, there was this huge press release and her daughter ended up telling her one day, like, hey, remember that bank robber that, you, that we sat next to, that he saved the bank robber, like, look, and they were showing her the paper. And this was really close to Easter. Do you know this family prayed for me? Almost every time they met during Easter at that time of year, they would sit, the mother would sit, Mrs. Thrasher, Mrs. Juanita Thrasher. Uh, she's listening. I'm sure she'll end up hearing this. Uh, thank you. I'll tell her again, just like we told the other thing. Thank you. Because, listen, man, I, those, prayers, those prayers were answered. You know, those prayers were answered. Whether we're the same religion group or not, man, she sent a honest and genuine prayer up for me, man. And if you don't think that has the ability to touch someone's soul, you're sorely mistaken because, you know, obviously I had a lot of people praying for me and, and lifting me up in a positive way that helped my transformation even with inside prison. But this was someone I didn't know, man. And I can't, I can't help but to know that that energy reached me, bro. 
and mm-hmm. there I just want the audience to know that there are people out there that are holding them up that they would never even think that maybe it was a person in the store. And, you know, we all count, man, because it could have been easy to write me off. It could have been easy for that lady to tell, you know, just to kind of clam up and maybe not say anything else to me, just kind of smile and play it safe. That's right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's awkward. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here's what's funny, man. She contacted me. She found out I was out of prison. And here's the beautiful thing, man. By the time she contacted me and I was out of prison, I'd been out of prison a, a couple of years. I was able to give her some beautiful reports about some of the beautiful things and beautiful people we were mentoring and helping. So once again, man, just you got to listen. There's no one out there that can tell me there's not a voice that has told them to hold on as much as it's told them to let go. There's not a voice. No one can tell me there's not a voice that has said that you're better than this. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we listen to the voice that tells us that, you know, we're not and that we're not worthy, that we can just keep doing what we're doing, whether it's a criminal act or not being in alignment with who we're supposed to be and living our actual purpose, bro, whatever that is. Kane Vincent Dyer used to be a bank robber. I love you for that. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Then he uh, held himself accountable and um, uh, accepted the consequences of his old actions. And now he's back in life mentoring uh, young, uh, young people who have been struggling, young people with uh, drug uh, problems, uh, young inmates who are looking to turn their lives around and creates this message today that there is um, this redemption. There is also this, Kane, and this is what I would like to give to you. There is resilience. Mm. There is a belief in, um, there is a belief in yourself and there is a disbelief in circumstance. Mm. And those are incredibly powerful. I want to echo back to a couple of things that you said here, because this is what I do. Um, you said earlier that you realized as a bank robber, you didn't belong. And I am excited to hear the new stories about where you do belong. Ah, I love it. I love it. I, um, you also said, what's that? I, thank you, Matt. Thank you. I, I thank Oh, you. Hey, I got more. You wait. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you also said I was searching for a lot back then. And I think what you see today is that you didn't need to search for anything. You were actually just the solution mm. and people now get to find you. And when you find you and other people find you, that's pretty remarkable. You spoke about uh, cleaning it up and the weight that that comes off your shoulders. I know that there's some stories in the articles around you about carrying a backpack on your chest to stuff the money into. <laughs> yeah. The the metaphor of um the metaphor of dropping the backpack uh, and the burden of all of this creates this lightness about you that is just beautiful. And um, you also said this. You said, for the people who believe they're on their own, you just need to listen to the strangers. Mm-hmm. And with all of that, brother, thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you. I Listen, this has absolutely been wonderful. And I really appreciate you for seeing me as, as I am and 
for all of those that are out there that are suffering, whether it be an addiction and a criminal lifestyle, or you may be the best person on the planet just in an unfulfilling life. There is absolutely time for you and um, there's the capacity for you to be what you're meant to be. If I can do it, everybody can, man. And I'd really appreciate you seeing me, Shane. Um, and I appreciate you seeing your audience. And there's someone out there right now, I can guarantee you, bro, almost every interview that I do, there are people out there and just hearing you speak. And I've listened to some of your other interviews, man. You got this great way about you. I know there are people out there that are listening right now that you are reminding of that very thing that they're not alone and that there is the absolute ability for them to create something else beautiful in their lives and for others to help others man thank you kane vincent dyer thank you very much sir thank you blessings blessings it's the shift podcast steve stebbing is here and it's time for what the hell should we watch this weekend? I jest because you can't see uh, young Stephen like I can, and uh, he is a bearded gentleman with the he's got the long locks and and all things Okanagan really. Yeah, but I mean the common thing is we I, I blur in photographs like Sasquatch does as well. So. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, it's a bond we share. You also leave giant footprints around. Don't know what that means. I do. I do. <laughs> one of those how was your week steve did you get off the couch and get outside in the nice spring weather or were you watching um, the shows all week uh i did a bit well i got my my vaccine my first shot of vac the vaccine on monday so that evening was a little bit of a write-off uh but it was a good opportunity to lay down and watch a whole bunch and get caught up but yeah i mean the weather is Im improving quite a bit out here and i think we're heading into like plus 30 and and offer the weekend so yeah wow. it's, it's good times for sure well isn't that an invitation if you have uh, been waffling on the should i get my vaccination or not steve stebbing says great excuse to watch some tv shows so let's get <laughs> yeah. started uh new releases and spiral how much money you got a lot how many problems you got a lot how many people have doubted a lot all available Love units right. officer down pray that you flop detective banks and route whoever did this has another motive they're targeting cops uh well 21 savage first of all how much yeah. you got a lot um <laughs> it's like a jim carrey song meets 21 savage all in one a lot um <laughs> tell us about spiral it sounds fantastic yeah this is after they said that they weren't really going to do it uh lionsgate has re uh reinvigorated the saw franchise after uh jigsaw and uh, Chris Rock is the exec executive producer now. He's part of the revival of this. They brought 
Darren Lynn Bousman back uh, for like a, just yeah a reinvigoration of the story. And unfortunately, in Canada, due to theaters being closed, the only way that you can see this is in theaters. So if you're in like Vancouver or near uh, any city that has a drive-in, that's pretty much the only way you can see it right now. As for, <sighs> like Vancouver, I think it's the Langley Drive-in. Yeah, so it's yeah. like we're getting screwed get, in uh, Canada. Yeah, you might be able to get uh, north of Vernon, right, Enderby? Yeah, is that one yeah, still exactly. Open? Yeah, I think that one is still, but it's like <sighs> we're getting screwed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, movies are opening in the states; they're not opening here right now, no. as far as theatrically. So, Chris Rock in the Saw franchise, yeah. if you're going to reinvent it, a wow, mm-hmm. b well, Chris Rock, he's he's flexing his acting muscles a lot more than just the comedy. Who knew, right? And the really interesting thing is um, his dad in this movie, who is another cop, is played by Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, father and oh, son. Oh, that'd be now. good family reunion, wouldn't it? There Can we go, right? Those two guys <laughs> at your family yeah. reunion? That'd be super fun. Awesome. All right, <laughs> stevestepping.ca, Steve Dead on the Twitter. New releases, The Woman in the Window. You let some of the outside come in. Your neighbor from across the street. Pretty sure you're not supposed to be taking these with alcohol. <laughs> My name is Jane Russell. She's become a friend. Like your earrings. Oh, thanks. A gift from an old boyfriend. Does your husband mind? Our family's complicated. I was waiting. I thought like the music was just going to like come back. <laughs> All right. Tell us about the woman in the window. Yeah. I mean, this has everything going for it. And the good thing, uh, unlike Spiral, you can watch this on Netflix because it's a Netflix original film. Uh, I mean, it's got Joe Wright directing it. Tracy Letts is writing it. Bruno Delbanel is shooting it. It's it's got like an incredible cast. Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, uh, Julianne Moore, Wyatt Russell. And it's basically about an agoraphobic woman who is spying on her neighbors across the street from her until she witnesses a murder. And it kind of has this whole Hitchcockian vibe to it. Uh, but the problem is the first act of this movie is such a mess that uh, I, I feel like a lot of people won't persevere through the second and third act because it all kind of comes together between the second and third. Um, but it feels really bland and, and and overacted, like everyone's projecting to the ceiling and stuff. And it just it feels weird like a stage play. But yeah, like if you stay at the course, uh, it will reward you. Ride it out, man. Just exactly. ride it out. Exactly. Together. Together. Mom, Dad, have some exciting news. I'm pregnant. I mean, the surrogate is pregnant. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm mad. I just don't have anyone that I really need to share the news with. Does that bother you, Matt? Hey, sorry. Hey, man. Bryce? So did you guys just do it, or? Matt! Okay, so Ed Helms first. Awkward. Mm -hmm. Always uh, hires a surrogate to have a baby. And I'm guessing they fall in love. 
Uh, you would think that, but more it's these two kind of souls at 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 um, big points in their life that kind of find each other in more of a platonic sort of sense, uh, because um, like uh, Patty Har- uh, Patty Harrison's character, the the surrogate, she's very kind of standoffish, um, and and you know been through her own kind of slacker existence for a while, um, and I mean she is. 20 you know 20 years younger than ed helms character who's a single man looking to just kind of kickstart the the end game of his life by having a kid by himself and uh i mean it's such a well-written film like this is uh indie comedy perfection uh because i when the credits hit for this movie i just had this smile on my face and tears in my eyes. Like it was just really well told. It was sweet. And um, I really hope it gets a lot of recognition. It's kind of cool. The notion that, uh, uh, you know, we don't ever talk about that, I guess, as a society that a man, a single man who wants to have kids would mm-hmm. get a surrogate that way. We always talk about it the other way that it's women who are like tick tock, tick tock, which is, you know, dreadfully unfair. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting notion. Uh, the Killing of Two Lovers. Oh, I need to play. say bye, so I just want to come by and say goodnight, and I love you. I only agreed to do this because you promised me that we were going to work through this. You need to fight. You need to fight for us. David, can you look at me? This is my family. They're worth it. Well, yeah, not every family's worth it. No, I'm just kidding. Totally just kidding. <laughs> Tell us about the killing of two lovers. Yeah, this is about a separation of a couple uh, in a small town in uh, America. And uh, basically, they're trying to see if the separation can work. Of course, they tell each other that, hey, we can see other people in this time, except for the husband. Uh is not really down with this idea kind of gets obsessive over the wife's new relationship uh, and gets to some dark places where he's contemplating uh, by the title, you can guess some murder. And uh, the lead actor in this one is a uh, Clay Crawford who made headlines a few years ago when he got publicly fired from the TV show version of lethal weapon for onset bullying. So uh, he needs to rebuild his image big time. And as far as his craft goes, this is a really good film to start that because he is such a gravitational force in this movie and really drives it uh, and shows like how good he is at at some of these character roles. Because before Lethal Weapon, he'd been in a a good handful of of things like Rectify, which is, I think, on Netflix as well. Um, But I really dig it. It's a sleeper, but uh, it definitely works. Steve Stebbing.ca text from Rob says, uh, woman in the window sounds pretty good there, Stebby. Yeah, it's so. not too bad. It's not too bad. Like I said, you just got to be patient. Blu-ray and land. I'm not hiding. I'm here because I choose to be. If it's all right, I will teach you how to trap. And the fall to hunt. And then you won't see me anymore. Can we agree that you not bring any news of life elsewhere? What if aliens land here? Wow, that went to a place I didn't think it was going to go to. <laughs> I thought his romance and and some sort of fall in love with the the hunter servant guy, but then there's aliens. So what? Where do we go here, Steve? 
No, and and you know it, that's just you know a little bit of levity that they add to it. But essentially, this is uh, Robin Wright stars and directs this one in her debut, uh, and basically plays a, a woman that is dealing with a trauma in her life that decides to basically buy a cabin in the middle of the wilderness, get herself cut off completely from society, from people, everything, uh, and essentially, it looks like she's going there to die um but uh basically she comes across damien bashir's character who ends up saving her in the wilderness and showing her how to uh live her days there and not die due to the elements and uh kind of a an, again a non-romantic a platonic bond forms between the two of them uh and uh, i really didn't like this film at the start because i really didn't understand the character and i didn't like the character but uh you kind of feel guilty for putting some shade on the character once you realize really what her damage is and uh robin wright uh, makes an astounding debut as a director and it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here all right can we have a can someone just fall in love does everyone have to just be friends here we're in the friend zone on the on the shift here with what the hell should we watch this weekend but they're happy Uh, it's not about happy it's about love stories damn it uh, Justice Society, World War II. Who have you got there, Wonder Woman? I'm from the future. It's not impossible. Are you ready to end this war? I thought you'd never ask. Then, welcome to the team. If this goes haywire, blame the new guy. It does sound a little affected. My goodness, what a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh wonder woman and the flash fall in love romantically Ooh, no I, i'm i know i'm sorry i'm totally ah. swerving you on that one uh <laughs> the flash uh, this is a really cool dc animated movie all these dc animated ones they do have all been basically on the same caliber if not better in some of them and this one is just like another little gem in their crown. Uh, basically, you have the Flash who, through the speed force, quote unquote, uh, ends up uh, going back in time and into another dimension and ends up in the World War II era of the Justice Society, which is led by Wonder Woman uh, and has to take on the Nazis who have also, uh, through necromancing and everything, taken control over uh, Aquaman as and has them as their king ally. Uh, and I mean, for a comic fan like me i'm totally into all of this stuff uh, i love the elseworld stuff as well and i mean as just an action fan in general all the wonder woman scenes are just bombastic ass kicking and just turn your sounds around up for this movie steve seven what the hell should we watch this weekend on crave let's go to tv land and hacks How's it going in Vegas? You and Deborah Vance, Thelma and Louise yet or what? No, but I do want to drive off a cliff. Okay, you ready to do some work? Let's see. Feet, toes, pedicure. Wow. It's like watching Picasso sing. You mean paint? No. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, man. All right. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, HBO Max uh, is the one that uh, gave this one to Canada. And uh, it comes from it, uh, Iris Bear, who is just this really great, sarcastic, sardonic writer that loves to make these dark and really crappy characters at heart. Uh, and basically, this is about uh, a legendary uh, Las Vegas comedian who uh, takes on a protege, uh, the 25-year-old Josefina, who is probably a crappier person than she is and tries to teach her the ropes of how to get ahead in uh, entertainment and behind the scenes in Las Vegas. And uh, the lead character is played by Gene Smart, who is just uh, an incredibly versatile actress uh, who is also incredibly funny and it popped up in so many different things. And it's really great to see her get uh, this really uh pedestaled position on on an hbo show and uh, i mean i've watched the first episode i'm really liking it and uh i mean hbo just churns out gems all the time our favorite sasquatch from penticton steve stebbing steve stebbing.ca steve enjoy that beautiful weather this weekend all right will do thanks for listening to the shift podcast Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.